2016 was a really rough year for me on social media. 2016 was a really rough year for me on social media. There was a presidential election that got everybody all hot and bothered, for and against, pro, anti. How can you, how could you, and also be, all of that kind of stuff. And so every morning while I was chugging my coffee, I would scroll Facebook. I would scroll Facebook and I got mad. I got angry. And I just, a lot of what I was reading just really set me on fire. And I would think to myself, how is it? How is it, Janice, that Max Vanderpool was the only one in America who sees the truth? <laughs> now, first of all, that's a lot of hubris. Okay, that's a lot of hubris. But secondly, it became a bad habit, okay? A bad habit. Every morning, every morning, first cup of coffee served up with anger, judgmentalism, and a dose of pride. Okay? As it turns out, as it turns out, your pastor can accumulate bad habits easily. This is a, this blows my mind. Your pastor can accumulate bad habits easily. So for example, in the first year of the pandemic in 2020, I started a new habit I had never done before. Every evening, I would go through two bowls of ice cream while watching NCIS. <laughs> and as it turns out, if you do that over the course of a year, even your pencil thin pastor, you put on, I did, 35 pounds. I hit it very well, didn't I? They're gone now, but they were here for a year. <laughs> a reminder that bad habits are so, so easy for me. If you're a teen and when you come home, you just like, when it's time to change, like the clothes just go on the floor and one of your parents, it's just like, pick up the clothes, put it in the hamper. Like it doesn't matter how much your parents scream. It's a habit. It's what you do. You don't even think about it. The clothes come off, bloop, on the floor they go. It's a habit. Um, going a little bit further back in my life, in 1998, I developed a bad habit with something called a Palm Pilot. Now, <laughs> you young people don't understand what this truly was, okay? So before Palm Pilots, I had to keep track of everything in this little leather-bound journal, all of my tasks, all of my appointments, all of my contact information. And then this Silicon Valley company came out and they said, we'll put all of your tasks all of your appointments and all of your contact information in a device that can fit in the palm of your hand. Oh! I immediately went out and got one. <laughs> At the time, I was an associate pastor in a church that did Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, revival, missions, conference weekends. We had programming. We had ministries. We had an Hispanic ministry. I mean, we were hopping. And so I needed a lot to keep track of. And I needed that Palm Pilot. And the habit was this. I would wake up in the morning, and the first thing that I would grab would be my Palm Pilot. And I would open it up, and I would see, and oh, what do I need to do today? And then the thought came in my mind, what did I not do yesterday that I should have gotten done? Oh. And then before I ever made it to that first cup of coffee, the condemnation was just hanging over me like, oh, it was terrible. It was a bad habit because... 
for me, it cemented at the time that my value was tied to what I could do for my church family, how I could razzle and dazzle. Man, Pastor Max can get a lot done, okay? So I want to remind you today that we are the sum of our habits. We human beings are the sum of our habits. And if you are doom scrolling social media, if you are religiously watching or following the news, if you're spending most of your unstructured time in front of a screen, it's not likely that you're becoming more like Jesus. It's probably more likely that you're becoming anxious, discontent, isolated, and like me, angry. Not exactly fruit of the spirit type stuff. If you would take a moment, close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. I want you to think about when you wake up in the morning, what are some of the first things that you do? Do you grab something? Is there something you're doing in bed before you even get out of bed? In that first 30 minutes, what are some of the things that you do in the first hour? Okay, you can open your eyes for a moment, okay? Uh, would any of those habits help you hear God's voice? Would any of those habits help you hear God's voice? In my right hand right now is a Bible, okay? And whatever you think of it, the Bible is an opportunity to hear God's voice. God still speaks through the Bible. And while nine out of 10 households own a Bible, only one out of 10 Americans have ever read it. According to LifeWay Research, the only time most Americans hear from the Bible is when someone else is reading it. And so today's big idea is really simple. Scripture before phone. Those of you who read The Common Rule back in 2021, my sabbatical year, you'll be like, wait a minute, this is familiar. Yes, it is. It's right out of Justin Early's book, The Common Rule. Scripture before phone. Scripture before phone. Scripture before phone. Say it with me. Scripture before phone. Scripture before phone. I say this because we become who or what we reflect or what we pay attention to. And too many of us are paying way too much attention to our phones. And we're simply not hearing God's voice, the voice that says to us, as adopted sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father, you are my beloved. And you are becoming more like me. Scripture before phone. Jesus, who is the living word, went up on a mountainside one day and he gave a big lengthy sermon. Uh, this teaching is recorded in Matthew's gospel in Matthew's chapter seven, five through seven. We call it the Sermon on the Mount, okay? It's Jesus' most famous set of teachings. And he wraps up this set of teachings by saying this, and I'm gonna read through it, and then we're gonna talk about it for a little bit, okay? Uh, chapter seven of Matthew, verses 13 and following. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate, the highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way, but the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. 
Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I'll reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat up against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So he's got narrow gate, highway to hell, good fruit, bad fruit, those who do the will of my father, those who just blather on and on about it, wise builder, foolish builder. If I could press a metaphor out of here, uh, I want to talk about trees and fruits for a minute. If I'm an apple tree, if I'm an apple tree, and that's what I am, do I need to go to a seminar, Seven Principles of Effective Apple Growing, to produce fruit? Do I need to take a course and enroll in a community college, Five Keys for Making the Reddest Apples Ever? or watch a TED talk about that to produce fruit as an apple tree? No. Apple trees in the right conditions produce what? Apples, because it's what they are. In the right conditions, apple trees can't help but produce apples. Jesus is saying Christians, Christ followers, adopted sons and daughters of their heavenly father can't help but produce the fruit of the spirit in the right conditions, okay? A lot of Christians and Christ followers in America think that they can kind of, I'll read my Bible every now and then, I'll hit church when I can, I'll pray when I can, like all these kind of things, and I'll have the fruit of the Spirit in my life, I'll hear God's voice. It's like an apple tree saying, well, I'm going to get sunlight for one minute every three months and a tenth of an inch of rain twice a year. It should work. I'll make a lot of apples. <laughs> no, no, it won't, work like that. it won't work that way at all. So Jesus is giving this address from a mountainside. And if you're hearing Matthew's gospel and you have any kind of Jewish background at all, and you're hearing this, you're going, wait a minute, guy on a mountainside giving the law of God. Ding, 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 ding. Moses, like Jesus is the new Moses. Jesus is the better Moses. Jesus is giving the law of God. And so Moses, uh, back in Deuteronomy at the end of that, episode where he brings the commandments. He says, look, today I'm giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. You'll be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you, but you'll be cursed if you reject the commands of the Lord your God and turn away from him and worship gods you've not known before. You have a choice before you, a path of blessing, a path of curse. Oh, Israel, you choose, you decide. Um, and Jesus is saying something very similar at the end of this extended teaching that we call the Sermon on the Mount. Um, again, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Jesus isn't just some rabbi or prophet. He isn't just some one way among many ways. Jesus, in so many different ways in the Gospels, says, look, you accept me or reject me. And if you reject me, you reject the one who sent me. Uh, but anyone who listens to his teaching is building their life on solid rock. 
Now, in the first century, the rabbis in, in the synagogues would use the rock as a way to talk about the Torah or a way to talk about God. So if you heard the rock, you were like, oh, ding God, like I get it, okay? So when, when Jesus is saying, if you listen to my teaching and build it on the rock, you're building your life on God. And we get that from so many places in the scripture, but Psalm 19 expresses it beautifully. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So I want to come back to these three key verses at the end that have to do with houses and sand and where you build them. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. And then the next couple of verses. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Now, the mountainside that Jesus is giving this teaching on is the sea of, around the Sea of Galilee. And they have this stuff called alluvial sand. Doesn't matter what it's called, but it's sand. And it's sand that gets really, really hard in the dry months. Hard like concrete hard. Like what's under this floor right here is concrete, baby. There's no padding under this carpet. It's straight concrete below here. Okay, hard. And that sand in the dry months gets hard as concrete. But if you want to go down to the bedrock, you've got to dig five or six feet down to get to the bedrock to, to build something. Now, the Jordan River floods during the rainy season, and it sends all this water into the Sea of Galilee. And what it does to that sand is it loosens it up. All of a sudden, this concrete substance is moving and shifting and giving way. And so if you've built on the sand alone, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Um, in 1978, the Israeli water authorities uh, were building a channel for some pipes near a town called Tel uh, El Araj, which is around the Sea of Galilee. And about five to six feet below the table of the water, the water table, they found, guess what? Uh, basalmic basalt stones in the forms of foundations, right there. So the people listening to Jesus teaching there on the mountainside, they were like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Don't take the easy path. Don't just build my house on top. Dig to get to bedrock. Otherwise, it's a disaster. Jesus, he doesn't make any comments about the construction process, the materials used, whether the builders were clever or competent or capable, whether they ever went to a seminar, seven principles of effective house building. <laughs> the only difference is whether the house is built on rock or not. And here's why this matters. And Ezekiel verbalizes this in Ezekiel chapter 13, uh, verses 10 and following. And so I'll read this to you. Uh, let's see, Ezekiel 13, there it is. This will happen because these evil prophets deceive my people by saying all is peaceful when there's no peace at all. It's as if the people have built a flimsy wall and these prophets are trying to reinforce it by covering it with whitewash. Tell those whitewashers that their wall will fall down. A heavy rainstorm will undermine it. Great hailstones and a mighty wind will knock it down. And when the wall falls, the people will cry out, what happened to your whitewash? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. 
I'll sweep away your whitewashed wall with a storm of indignation and with a great flood of anger, with hailstones of fury, and I'll break down your wall to its foundation. And when it fails, it'll crush you. And then you'll know that I'm the Lord. At last, my anger against the wall and those who covered it with whitewash will be satisfied. And I'll say to you, the wall and those who whitewashed it are gone. They were lying prophets who claimed peace would come to Jerusalem when there was no peace. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. A storm reveals what is. So if I, if I can just draw this out, in my life, when I have storms come in my life, that's when it reveals to me what I'm building my life on. Uh, in 2021, when I was eating all that ice cream, here's, here's how I would say it, okay? So I'm a man and I wear two types of pants, jeans and suit pants. Jeans lie to me all the time because jeans expand. Contract, jeans let me kind of be enlarged and be okay with it and be still the same number on the jeans. Suit pants don't lie. <laughs> suit pants don't give. Suit pants tell you what is, <laughs> okay? That's what storms do in our life. They reveal what is and they reveal what we're building our life on. The only difference between the two houses is what they're built on. And again, who's the rock? Right, Jesus, God, you got it. Okay, so build your life on the rock. So in light of what Jesus has to say, I want to ask a few questions. What role does the Bible have in your life right now? What role does the Bible have in your life right now? Is it largely absent? Is it making guest appearances? Is it a major character? What role does God's word have in your life? And then secondly, what would it take for you to read or hear God's word more? What would it take for you to read or hear God's word more? So as is always the case here at Generations Community Church, I try to make teaching from the Bible as practical as possible. Scripture before phone, scripture before phone, scripture before phone. Make this a habit. Over the next couple of months, I want to challenge you to put scripture before phone. There's three easy ways you can start this. A chapter of Matthew a day. You'll read through Matthew twice over the next two months. One half chapter of Romans a day. You'll read through the book of Romans twice in the next two months. Or you could pick a psalm a day. Those are easy ways to do that. Now, I read a paper Bible because I'm old and ancient. But I recognize I'm a dinosaur, a dying breed. And now everything is in the palm of your hand. It's almost like 1998 on steroids. So if you're going to read or listen to your Bible on your phone, I make one request of you, and it's really simple. Before you do that, there's a setting. And I want you to go to settings, and I want you to click do not disturb. Because you're wanting to hear God's voice. Why do you want to have that thing going bzz, 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 ding, ding. <laughs> like, you want to hear God's voice. So click in settings, do not disturb, before you have the God's word read to you on your phone or before you read it on your phone. Um, now, another thing that you can do if you're accessing God's word through your phone is you're already listening and watching things and listening to things when you exercise when you're mowing the lawn, I've never seen a young person mow the lawn without earbuds in their ears. And I think to myself, you're going to go deaf. 
because I'm an old man now, but like, and I am partially deaf, but like, you're always listening to it anyway. So once a week, twice a week, swap out that podcast, swap out that music with a section of God's word. When you're exercising, when you're in the car, if you're listening to things in the car by yourself, swap out a word. One member of our church family on her commute to Lexington did the entire Bible in a year just commuting in and out of Lexington because she was alone in the car, okay? Um, now, because our phones can be this uber distraction, particularly social media, I wanna pass along Justin Early's social media rules from the book, The Common Rule, okay? Uh, and I think these are some good rules. And this is what Justin says. I do not open social media because I am bored or I have a spare moment. <gasps> Particularly for those of us that are ADD, this is hard. <laughs> this is really hard, this is really hard. I do not open social media because I'm bored or have a spare moment. I avoid unplanned scrolling. In other words, I'm only scrolling through social media when I've chosen intentionally to do that. Um, third, I turn off social media notifications. The only notifications I have on my phone that are turned on are the Generations app, text messages, and phone calls. Oh, and voicemail. Here's what I've discovered. Every 30 days, my phone seems to have some kind of update, and these other notifications turn themselves on. <laughs> it's like Facebook's like, I know you said you didn't want to hear me, but you do. Here I am. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> okay, so this is something you're going to have to do with regularity because they know. <laughs> they know how to cultivate habits. Fourthly, Justin says, I do not access social media in bed. Bed is for sleeping, sex, or reading. I do not access social media in bed. The married people are like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Number five, when I come across a mean thing said about me or my friends, I ignore the temper tantrum. Okay, those are some good social media rules, courtesy of Justin Early. So to go back to how to take this home, I want to make an ask about scripture before phone. These, these, de these devices are distracting us. And so one thing that we could do is turn off our phones one hour a day. One hour a day. Now, for some of you, you're like, what? What? What did you just say? Those are fighting words, Pastor Max. We're not just having coffee this week. Like, I'm leaving the church. Like, okay, let's uh, calm down, calm down, calm down. One hour a day. If that scares the life out of you, start with 10 minutes. 10 minutes a day, turn the phone off, leave it in another place in the house. Here's why this is important. Silence from distractions is what enables us to hear our own hearts and helps us to hear God's voice. And what I have found about God's voice is God often is not shouting to me. He's whispering. And so it's in that stillness that I can hear him and recognize his voice. Um, here's why scripture before, before phone matters, okay? If I can just ask some basic questions, and the answer to these is no. Is life about getting more and more money? Is life about achieving more and more and more? No. Is life about accumulating more and more stuff so that you need two storage units? No. When you put your phone before scripture, your attention is directed to the American way of living life. 
and your heart becomes shaped and bent toward the American way of living life. And the American way of living life is about money, 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 got to have more. And so you're constantly thinking to yourself, if I just had $20,000 more a year, if I just had a, this much more in my savings account, if I just, right, right? Um, another thing that it does is it, uh, you do the comparison thing. And the funny thing is Americans almost never compare themselves with people who have less. They always compare themselves with people who have more, who have attained more, have more, earn more, travel more. And so they walk away feeling condemned. I don't have, I don't get to, I haven't acquired, I haven't achieved, and so I'm less. And the worst thing that it does is it creates this feeling that I am not enough. It's pernicious, absolutely pernicious. That is not the voice of your heavenly father. He is not looking down from heaven, so to speak, and going, you are so not enough. Like that. <laughs> Again, it's, you are my beloved and you are becoming more like me. Listen to what Justin Early writes in The Common Rule. The story of scripture is clear. We do not know who we are apart from the God who made us. And we do not know who we are becoming apart from the God who is renewing us. We long to know who we are. We daydream about the versions of ourselves that we hope to become. But apart from Jesus, we can do neither of these things. What if instead of asking yourself, what do I need to do today? You asked yourself, who am I and who am I becoming today? We become what we reflect and what we focus our attention to. And we need to put scripture before phone so that we can reflect more of our heavenly father.